Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio. For woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Oh, yeah, baby. It's episode, what is it, 109? Holy smokes. For November 14th. Daddy. Oh, man, when that music plays, I just want to, like, do some finger snapping. I want mm-hmm. my beret on, my black glasses, and, like, one of those cigarettes on a long thingy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Long thingy. Yeah, listen, you know, long thingy. I like it, Daddy-O. I like it. All right, so it's episode 109 for November 14th, 2012. Uh, remember, today's show is supported by Microjig, creators of the Gripper 3D Push Block, an American-made precision safety guidance system for the table saw and the wood shop. They're not expensive, and say it with me, but they are the safest. Visit micro. I, I figure by the time we I do this four times. Great. Yeah, something like that. After the fourth time, people probably know this whole thing by heart. Uh, so yeah, visit microjig.com. You can see the gripper in action, work safer, work smarter, microjig. And don't forget that newsletter, microjig.com slash newsletter. Sign up. You can find out about all the great stuff that they're making over there because they make great stuff. All right. On today's show, we're going to talk about bandsaw tune-up. That's a good topic. Uh, shop music. It's another great topic. Tools mm-hmm. that we'd uh, choose if, if we were starting over, which is an interesting thing to ponder. Sharpening, laminated countertops, and organizing tasks during a complicated project. Uh, so before we jump into all that stuff, Matt, how about you tell them how they can get in touch with us? Well, you know, something that is not a compli- complicated project is how to get a hold of us. My simply saying it is a complication, but it is not a complicated procedure. If you have a comment, question, or topic suggestion, you have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on our Skype. Look for us. Our name is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And don't forget, if you're looking for any of the information that we're going to talk about today or just looking for how you can download today's episode or any of the previous ones, you can find all the show notes and the downloads over at woodtalkshow.com. And as always, we'll have all of this information in the show notes at woodtalkshow.com. So you got to get yourself over there if you're searching for it because it's probably the only place you're going to find it unless you listen to it again and then try and listen to what I was saying. (laughs) Something like that. So anyways, though, without further ado, let's jump onto the bench. Yes. Hopefully your bench is sturdy. We all have pretty sturdy benches. I don't know, Matt. Yours is a little rickety, I have to say. Mine is not just a little rickety. It's severely (laughs) rickety. It's it's always a crapshoot when I get onto there to do anything. Okay. Well, let's go to the guy. uh, Let's go to the guy whose bench is definitely not rickety. Shannon, uh, what's what's on the bench lately? What's on the bench? Well, um, I won't talk too much because we're going to go into it later, but I had to do some machine maintenance, both of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's something that I, I don't I don't care whether you're a hand tool woodworker or power tool woodworker or whatever. Machine maintenance just sucks. It's just not something I enjoy doing. And I kept thinking about that post you wrote, Mark, about how a woodworker has to wear so many different hats. Yeah. Um, because it, it just nothing ever goes easily. Nothing works. You know, okay, well, you, you have like your step process to, to clean out my planer. My planer still has some issue with the the shroud, that the dust shroud. I have a DeWalt 735, that 13-inch mm-hmm. benchtop. It has a shroud that covers the blades, and it has its own ejection fan. Mm, okay. It normally does a fantastic job, especially when you hook it up to a normal dust collector. But the, the something is leaking somewhere. So there's chips ending up in the actual compartment itself, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which gets really ugly because it gets into the chain drive that affects the the cutter height, mm-hmm. the raising and lowing of it. And uh, so I'm constantly having to go in there and clean it out. And so finally I was like, all right, I've got to 
fix this. And the DeWalt has this, there's some like blind corners in the back corner that you just cannot get to. And I had chips stuck back in there. So I'm like, all right, screw it. I'm going to take this whole dang thing apart. And I start pulling out screwdrivers and Allen keys. And, and wouldn't you know it, none of the Allen keys I have fit. I don't know what these were. They, were, they weren't imperial. They weren't metric. They were Klingon yes, sized some, Allen some, keys. It something from ridiculous. A alien planet. So I end up going um, and like digging out, uh, you know how you end up with thousands of Allen keys because every tool you buy comes with its own right. and then you never know what tool it goes back to. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, screw this. I go over to, to the grinder and I ground down an Allen key to fit into this thing because I spent like 15 minutes looking for a key that fit it. So I don't find myself with a grinder actually grinding a tool to make something <laughs> to open this thing up. Nice. Then I get in there and I can't get some of the chips out. So I go over and I... I grab a toothbrush from our guest bathroom. <laughs> I didn't put it back. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm just like, they'll never this is ridiculous. I'm like doing 20 different things. I was supposed to be working like two hours ago, actual woodworking. And I found myself still dealing with a dang planer and then waxing the tables and putting the whole thing back together. And eh, it was fun. And then I found myself, I had to, uh, un unconnect, disconnect, the wires to the actual on off switch right. so that I could get the top off to get into everything. Well, stupid me, I thought, well, that's an easy wiring diagram. I don't need to write that down or take a picture of it <laughs> like I should. Mistake. <laughs> oh my God. Four attempts. And the worst part is, is it has one of those like grounding cutoff switches. So unless you put the thing back together, it won't work. Mm, so man. unless you put like all 20 screws back in and put it back together, it won't come on anyway. <laughs> so you change some wires, screw it all back together, flip the switch. It doesn't work. Damn it. Unscrew everything. Flip. It was terrible. So between grinding tools, brushing my, my tools, teeth and rewiring things, I finally got it back up and running and then I moved on to the bandsaw. So, so did this uh, just reaffirm your whole commitment to hand tools? <laughs> this <experience? laughs> same thing. <laughs> yes. Because then, then I picked up my bench plane and I wiped some paraffin wax on the bottom and went to work and it was like, wow, that was easy. Nice. Oh, the cutting is too thick. I tweaked a little knob and went back to work. It was kind of nice, but it, still not giving up my thickness planer. Sorry. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Oh, come on. Seriously. You, that's you need. That's where you need to have like the college apprentice coming in and you're like, you know, this is an internship. Just go ahead. I'll show you how to use it. You'll get a grade for it. Yeah. One thing I was thinking was with your, your uh, tool maintenance, that always happens to myself. It happens to all of us. But my favorite part is trying to explain when I finally come up after all those hours and I've got nothing accomplished and I just come up for like a glass of water or something and I turn to go back down to the shop and my wife will be standing there and Samantha will say, I, I I thought you were done. I thought you said it was going to take a couple hours. I'm like, no. What I ended up having to do, and then I go into that explanation. Like somehow I think that she's going to completely relate to what I'm saying <laughs> as I'm explaining how you, I took it apart and I did this. And she just gives me that look and she's like, you're lying. What the hell are you doing down there? I, I, I heard, that, that I heard was, her voices. That was a carbon copy of my conversation because like later that night, um, Heather's like, you look really stressed. And I'm, I'm Honestly, I'm so far behind after losing power for a week mm -hmm. just on my own video production schedule for the Hand Tool School, for my own Renaissance Woodworker podcast. You know, yes, I don't really need power to work, but I need it for the camera and for like lighting and stuff like that. Yeah. So I've just been trying to play catch up and and she's like, but you were just in the shop for four hours. How can you be behind? Like, I didn't actually do anything. What the hell were you doing in there? Yeah, tool maintenance is like that. And you know what? Not just power tools, because you could spend all day sharpening. You know, like oh, when I when I do a sharpening gosh. day, I will dedicate a good, you know, four or five hours just to that. 
And you sort of walk away with that feeling, wow, I really worked hard and got nothing done. At least that's yeah. visible. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's well, when we need to have a camera on us. That's when the webcam would really come in handy because yeah. you're like, I've got all of these people that will sign an affidavit. Please sign an affidavit that I was actually doing something that didn't accomplish much. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and then the, the only other thing is I had the beauty of live broadcast last night. I did a hand tool school live session on putting a new handle on a tang chisel. Nice. And the tank thing split as I was hammering it home. Wow. It's like, great. Fabulous. Well, that's this real woodwork. what Andrew feels like. But I was so I, – I could not go to sleep last night. I actually went back down to the shop at 1 o'clock in the morning and I put a new handle on that chisel because – how to say this without sounding like a jerk? Too late. I did everything right. It should have worked. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what the hell went wrong? And what went wrong is I trusted my neighbor. <laughs> My neighbor insisted that the the wood that came from it came from a, a, sh- a big shrub that I had to cut down like five years ago. She insists that it was English yew because she remembers when the lady that owned the house before me planted it. Uh, so, you know, I worked for a lumber yard. I went and used all my resources. No, it wasn't yew. Yew is what they used to make longbows out of in oh, okay. like the English empire. Really good stuff. And uh, no, it was a cedar variant. Mm, well, nice. what happens when you take a tang and chisel it into the end grain of a softwood? I was just like, wow. you idiot. You work for a lumber company. You should know what wood you're using. It just goes to show you that you may know what lumber is when it's in board form, but when it's in tree or bush form, I'm clueless. Yeah. Well, you know, what totally I'm thinking clueless. is maybe the neighbor misunderstood her because as she was probably trying to plant that bush, you know, she was thinking like, you know, oh, you are such a problem. And she's like, that must be a you bush. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, lesson learned. Don't take wood advice from your neighbors. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, don't, you'll be don't like, experiment with woods you've never worked with in a live broadcast either. Yeah. Yeah. That's never great. Uh, Matt. What's going on in your shop, dude? Well, I've been working on a few projects, but the big thing, and it's funny you kind of talk about the shop maintenance. Uh, Monday, I had the day off, and when I came down, I planned on getting started on a, a, a project that just kind of popped up. It's a client build, and I wanted to kind of move forward with it, but there was that part of me that's like, you know, I'm a little frustrated with my dust collection system. So what I ended up doing is it's partly my fault from the last time I played with the dust collection system, I, I put an extra Y connector on it to try and get yet another hose coming off. And I, I put my blast gates in probably the most blast darned place ever, which is <laughs> completely out of reach for me. I literally at one point to use my joiner had to get under on my knees, get down and like crawl under the outfeed table of my table saw to lift it up. And I lived with that for about a month or so. And I kept telling myself, all right, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. And I never got around to it. So on Monday, I took care of it. And what I ended up doing is uh, I moved uh, one of the blast gates, of course, closer to the tool. And then another thing I said, well, let me go ahead and move this one hose that's going to be going to my table saw a little bit closer to the actual dust collector itself. Let's see how much more suction I can get from this because when it comes to the table saw, the vast majority of the chips and, and sawdust that's going to be coming out of it is kind of fine particles anyways. It's something that when it's going through the propeller, I'm not that worried about and it's not going to make a ton of noise. So once I did that, oh my God, it's insane how much more suction I have just from that one hose. Nice. It was the kind of thing that when I took it off the back of the table saw just to kind of get a feel for it, um, I was almost afraid my hand was going to get sucked into the hose, which would <laughs> definitely be – that would be a hard one to explain as I'm screaming for help and Sam's just assuming that I'm 
once again screwing around in the shops. So, <laughs> honey, where's your wedding ring? Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's got the cleaners. Keep away from it's, small pets and children. Yeah, just just look in that dust collection bag, and when you find it, you'll probably find my finger with it too. If you could get that back for me, nice. What, so uh, that what? was my big thing, though. Was I was so fed up with that that suction? And let me tell you something: uh, good suction doesn't suck. Wait, that's not right. What uh, what kind of dust collection system do you have? I'm not I'm not sure. It's it's I have still just uh, a basic one. It's actually it's a Shop Fox uh, one and a half horsepower, <laughs> a ba- no, two horsepower, a, a basic one, a very basic. <laughs> Thank one. you. That gives me a lot of information. Casters. <laughs> it uh, um, yes, it has it, an impeller and it has an impeller and it, it hooks as a plug. It goes into the wall. <laughs> okay, I, don't I got have it. a bicycle to run on it. Um, <laughs> very helpful thank you <laughs> yeah but it has like a 1250 cfm i think is what it is okay. it's a huge upgrade from my first one which is like only 500 cfm okay so but you're, you're still using like the flexible hose right off you don't have anything like ducting or anything right not yet that is actually when i was kind of inspired from mark the last time you were talking about installing your ductwork <laughs> i was taking a look mark at it in dust collection because <laughs> yeah, i do that quite frequently so <laughs> well on don't the worry, last episode don't do it again on, on the pre- <laughs> give, me some probably. Time. <laughs> give me some time uh, but yeah. on the previous episode when you're talking about the the more rigid ductwork that was one of oh, those yeah. i started looking at and i said well that's an upgrade that i'm definitely i'm looking at i'm trying to figure out exactly how i want to do the layout so in the meantime let me use this flexible duct that I have here and see if I can make any improvements with it. But right, right. I really want some rigid ductwork in there because you notice like as soon as you turn on the, the vacuum, immediately how it becomes an accordion and your 10-foot hose suddenly compacts down to like five feet. And you're like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, even if you can just get rid of some of it, you know, like uh, when, I, when I was rerouting all of the, the dust collection to the jointer and the table saw, there's one drop that handles both of those and they're really kind of like right next to each other. So when I was trying to get the route set up, I had some spare pieces. I just ordered a few extra and I was able to just extend just a couple more feet with rigid ductwork. And even that alone, like every bit of the, the, you know, flex stuff that you can eliminate really mm-hmm. just makes a big difference in the long run. Yeah. I, I don't love it, to hear just, you know, someone, Matt, I have the same type. I have a one and a half horse, um, uh, steel city. I would just love to hear somebody that has plumbed, uh, um, suction ductwork whatever to a machine like that like what what did you say the basic machine the standard machine (laughs) basic one um (laughs) you know because i i'm not going to put a cyclone in my shop i that would be ridiculous um with the 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 machines that i use but you know you have to have a dust collector when you're running a planer and i would just love to have one of those floor sweep things because yeah you know, uh, I mean, I'm constantly sweeping stuff up, although having one of those in a hand tool shop might be a bad idea. That's where you get that like sweep, sweep, foop, clang, <laughs> some old big, you know, a tenon cheek goes in the thing and gets yeah. sucked in. But um, I just I think probably maybe it's part, partly like OCD, but I would just love to have a cleaner system. Um, you know, I still have a bandsaw and, you know, you got to put a dust collection on a bandsaw because that just spews dust everywhere if you don't. Sure. Um, it just there's got to be a cleaner way to do it than having the hose thing right and that's one of the things it's like i said i probably could easily i well actually i couldn't easily it's going to take me a little bit to figure out how i'm going to put this on there but i really am planning on at least having probably what for the distance between my table saw and the dust collector is easily a good 10 foot and at the same time i also have another hose coming off of that that's going to um, a cyclone separator so i have a trash can for it and Mm -hmm. when when it's running I think we've talked about this before, like the trash can actually kind of like 
sucks in on itself. It's yeah. almost like like a black hole. You're expecting it just to completely, <laughs> you know, cave in on itself and suck <laughs> right up into the hose kind of a thing. So right. I'm definitely getting good suction from it. But I know for that that nice, like I said, it's about 10 foot run there. If I had some solid ductwork on there, I think it would really just be amazing what I could get off of it. Well, the, Not to mention the fact that I just that way. I'm just I'm sick of the flexible stuff. I really have to say that I'm sick and tired of it. Well, it's it it puts you into another bind though when you do start to run the rigid duct work because you have to have enough uh, enough power behind it, enough air movement behind it to have right. that duct work in a convenient location, which is usually not near the port of the tool. So <laughs> exactly. so the the drawback there is yeah, you can go with rigid, but now you're going to really impact the the airflow by putting it along the wall and then running it to the saw from there and you still wind up having to use some flex duct work anyway. So you really do need those more powerful systems to pull that off. Yeah, and I guess that's my fear is, you know, it just doesn't make sense right now for me to upgrade a dust collector. So am I going to just cause problems? You know, although putting a separator in would cause that, you know, suck clang thing I was talking about earlier. (laughs) Right. The 10-in-cheek or those those little uh, dovetail. What do do you call the bits in between dovetails? Uh, There should be a name for those. Dovetail bits? Munchkins. <laughs> droppings. Bird droppings, maybe? Well, let's call them droppings. I like that. Dovetail naughty bits. Just like the little round things from donut, the donut holes. You, you call them munchkins. There you go. <laughs> there we go. So, but anyways, so that's, that's uh, you know, it, it's definitely, it's still going to be an evolving thing. I mean, my dust collection system is constantly evolving. My wife, that's another one of those. What are you doing down there? I'm playing with the dust collection system. You just <laughs> like the way it sucks things, don't you? Um, anyways, so but, uh, that's pretty much what's going on with mine. Mark, what's going on with you now? You've got the whole bed thing going on. Have you started working on this? I noticed, uh, for those who are members of the guild, it's Friday coming up. Isn't the the first of the, the, the bed first. designer, if I missed the first me- nope, meeting nope. already? Haven't missed it yet. We're going to have the first video come out on Friday. Friday, which is going to be just a complete review of everything that goes into the thought process and the discussion between between me and the client. This is not necessarily like a typical thing. This is just my experience. So it'll be interesting to get uh, other Very people's cool. feedback on it. Yeah. So it starts, you know, it starts with emails and here's this idea I have. Can you do it? And I'm, I'm walking people through that process of, of taking these original ideas, the customer's original inspiration and how we make this thing actually work. Um, there's a certain point where point where you deviate from the customer's specifications because they're not possible, you know. So you have <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to you have to break the news now, to the customer. <laughs> now, how how aware? I imagine he must be aware because you're the wood whisperer. But I mean, how aware is your customer of your online? You know that that you're having this conversation about his. I mean, not that you're saying bad stuff about him or whatever, yeah, nor yeah. would you, because I understand this to be like your favorite client. Yeah, well, it's he is fully aware because I wouldn't do this is something I would not feel comfortable documenting and and doing without his permission. So he he knows exactly what's going to happen and is 100 percent aware Um, since I started working with him basically when I first moved to Arizona. And that was well before I started the whole Wood Whisperer thing. So he's kind of just watched and observed and and saw this whole thing happen in the background uh, as someone who started with me very, very early and now is at the point that. It's kind of interesting because I he's waited for this for years now for me to actually get back. I don't know why he he likes <laughs> the work that I do, but I think I I basically I think we we work well together. Just like I don't know, like when building the shop, I found a contractor that I could really talk to that would listen to me, and I made sure uh, he understood. And then I got the product that I paid for. 
I understand that sort of relationship. So, so I may not necessarily be the be- the best woodworker in Arizona, but if I can get him what he wants and the quality is there, uh, he's going to keep coming back. So that's that he's been waiting for years for this thing. So oddly enough, now I'm in a position with the guild and, and things where we're trying to really crank out more projects that I can get to more of his stuff faster. So it's going to be moving forward. I probably will have quite a few projects to do for him. So I think he's enjoying the change, cool. uh, the change in the situation now. Is he going to make a guest appearance? No, no, he's going to stay anonymous. I don't think he wants yeah, anybody you to try know. To, to wrangle him in on camera. Then. Uh, 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 no. And I think a few of the like he was. I was talking to him on the phone yesterday, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I read some of the comments, and I, I, I didn't ever really film one of his projects before, but I have featured aspects of the projects, and I think I did one." final view of, of a small cabinet that I made for him when I did those wacky raised panels. And uh, he reads the feedback. He actually watches the comments. Like, do you guys remember That's the cool. big, the big wengy uh, cabinet that I made for him in the sideboard? Uh, yeah, they had like the wengi? loopers or the slats or something on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's got the, the steel uh, plate material on the front. Well, Oh, yeah, yeah. And someone okay. was like, oh, it looks like a giant refrigerator, you know. And <laughs> and this guy's reading it, but he, he made the comment. He was like, you know, I actually enjoyed it. He said because the comments were very polarized. People either loved it or hated it. And he, he actually enjoyed internet. that. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, but he actually enjoyed that. And, and, I, and I thought, I don't, he's very open-minded in that way. Because to me, a design, you look at like some of, I don't know, look at what Norm builds, for instance. I think that's more traditional, uh, more, I hate to say it, but kind of generic. And mm-hmm. I think the average person would look at something that Norm builds and go, ah, that's pretty nice. You know, a good craftsmanship, nice piece. Something that David builds makes people either go, whoa, that's awesome, or... I would never put that in my house. Or yeah. Why would you build the turtle toy box? Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> I think it's nightmares. Yeah. And hey, if you, I mean, yeah, cause a good, a good thing for me to put it this way, cause I'm, I'm fat and I like food and sweets <laughs> is, uh, Norm is very vanilla. I yeah. like vanilla. Vanilla is good. I can cover it up with whatever I want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Marks is kind of a pistachio. It's, yeah. you know, it's definitely not always something that I want, but I really, really like it. He's a, he's a wasabi ice cream. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that's that's really to me a design that does that is one that really challenges people, and I think it takes the the bigger risk and has the better reward. And I and, and I won't take credit for that design either. Those are his designs. I just kind of uh, massaged it to get it to the point that it actually was a real piece of furniture. So that was his design, and he was enjoying the commentary on that, and and kind of just enjoying the fact that people either loved it or hated it. So, right. uh, so this dude's cool. very, yeah, he's what a very cool much, client. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. So, so speaking of cool, we ran into a bit of a problem and Shannon, you know, I emailed you about the, uh, the African blackwood, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? So as it turns out, now I didn't know much about African blackwood until I, I didn't realize how much it is like ebony in the way of, of being difficult to attain and very, very dense. I wasn't really aware of the wood, so it's not happening. African Blackwood, and for those who, who haven't been keeping up, the back panel, the raised panel of this bed, queen-size bed, is a long raised panel, and he wanted that to be African Blackwood. So it just doesn't exist. You know, it's, it's nearly impossible to find material just because the tree doesn't get that big and the logs that are harvested aren't that large. You just can't mostly make it turning happen. blanks yeah. is what you end up seeing. So Exactly. And then there's the additional... I know I kind of, when, when folks start to get on my case about like whether we're using endangered species and we shouldn't be using exotics, I tend to fall on the side that like, look, the, our, our impact as, as hobbyist woodworkers is fairly minimal compared to like the wood flooring industry, uh, you know, and other areas that are using large, large quantities. So I tend to not get too uptight about that stuff. But if I'm going to use 
when I use ebony on a project, I treat that stuff like gold. And it, yeah. and it really made me uncomfortable to think of using something like this African blackwood to do an entire panel in solid wood started to actually make me feel really uncomfortable about the whole, just, I don't know. I feel like I would get a lot of flack for it and it just feels irresponsible a little bit. What about a veneer? In a veneer, it'd be a different story, but if, you know, trying to find for veneer, that's the thing. Well, trying to find veneer like that is going to be pretty tricky too. So I, well, here's the other problem. Veneer is out because he just doesn't like veneer. Oh, okay. You know, he's very, very well, much into the, the other stuff. thing I'll tell you to be careful of is there is another species just called blackwood. Yeah. That is an acacia variant. It's similar to koa. Um, oh, okay. So just be careful if you, well, you're not looking for that anymore well, anyway. The, yeah. The moral to the story is we decided that we would fall back on uh, plan B, which was to use my favorite Wenge. <laughs> so, nice. It well, always comes back around thing, to Wenge. Though, it does. African, African blackwood is in the rosewood genus, the Dalbergia genus. Mm-hmm. So there's other species in that same genus um, that you can get. Yeah. Well, I, um, I did a lot. I made a lot of phone calls and, and I'm certainly no wood expert, you know, myself. So I called a bunch of people and got recommendations on like how available are some of the alternatives? What are my options here? Pretty much every single one of these people that I spoke to basically fell back on Wenge as like, look, if you want something that's going to be easy to find, because here's the problem. There's a whole bedroom set that, that this is going to have to extend into after this is done. So if I can strike lightning once and get a nice big uh, panel, yeah. you're going to need more. Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to be able to do it multiple times for a chest of drawers and nightstands and all the other things he wants. Uh, so Wengi was was finally the winner. And I, I talked with him last night and had a little bit of a heart to heart. And he's like, you know, I just kind of I got on on that that direction and I thought that's what I really wanted. And I let it blind me to what I know about these woods and how difficult this would make things for you to to either attain it, to work with it. You know, it's just sourcing it to begin with is going to be difficult. So, uh, so he's happy, and I think we're just going to push forward with the Wengi. So, lo- long story short, we we didn't go with the Blackwood. We're we're on the Wengi train again. <laughs> right. Well, you know, if you the the other thing you can always throw out there is <clears throat> any of the rosewoods are generally heavily regulated species. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we like to think that the stuff we're using is legal. But there's some stuff that comes out of there that comes out of the Far East that is questionable. Mm-hmm. And technically, if you think it's questionable, you are in violation of the U.S. Lacey Act. Yeah. Well, and, there, there's stuff I can get that I know I technically should not be able to get. Um, right. Exactly. And, I, and, it, and you just don't like, ask yeah. questions. <laughs> not, not that the U.S. Department of uh, Government's going to come after, you know, Joe Woodworker in his shop. But, yeah. you know. Mark Spagnolo, the wood whisperer, though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Of course. Uh, anyway, so, so I imagine, are you going with flat sawn wingy then? Yes, because it's it's a big enough panel that if we go with like a riff sawn or something, it, which looks really good, but I think that looks good in small quantities yeah. and small spaces over a large panel starts to look a little bit just too much, too many, too many lines. Uh, so I think we'll be just looking at a nice uh, flat sawn board. Cool. So there you go. All right, let's uh, move into around the web. Not a whole lot going on. We kind of compared notes, and they're just we we don't got a lot of links. So uh, whoever put this Wagner one in there, you want to talk about that? Yeah, this is uh, this is actually going to be kind of very limited if you think about it. For those of you with smartphones, specifically the iPhone and Android, uh, there is an app out there which slightly familiar similar to the was it the Wood Shop widget? I believe is the uh, the other one that's out there. Uh, we can't promote mm-hmm. this then. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, 
Anyways, though, the, the uh, we're going to do it anyways. Okay, good. <laughs> just, just do it. Okay, so anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, essentially, Wagner Moisture Meters, I think we're all probably familiar with them. It's a, a common brand that's out there. They have some really high-end ones and some, some nice entry levels. Essentially, this app is a complement to uh, their moisture meters and if what you can do is even if you don't have the moisture meter what we're trying to do is oh please don't let me slaughter this word it's we want to figure out the equilibrium uh moisture content so you can decide is your what what is the the moisture content of your wood and is it uh, how close is it to what the moisture content of the surrounding air all that kind of a thing. So in other words, you want nice. to make sure that your uh, wood is not going to dry out too much or swell too much or stuff like that. So if you're really concerned about that kind of a thing, this will help you out. And the neat thing about this, it's just a basic calculator. You type in the relative humidity, which you can get you know, just off the internet, surprisingly, if you're using your iPhone uh, or your, your Android. Uh, you then type in the ambient temperature, and it will then uh, determine the EMC for you, which gives you an idea of, you know, how close you are to it and whether maybe if you're going to be installing hardwood floors is now the time to install them or maybe should you give it another week or two. And another thing they have on here is some technical resources where you can look up like uh, specific gravities of various species. Don't know the name of the species. They have a thing on there that will help you out. A lot of these are links back to their website online so you can see how this all kind of ties in. Uh, Same thing with their resource center. They have things for like flooring, which are the common questions like, Hey, it's buckling. What could be issues with that? So they have some basic ones, which again, go back to articles on their their website. Same thing with manufacturing and uh, woodworking also. In fact, they have like, hey, what's causing fuzzy grain? It could be your blades aren't, aren't sharp enough or your sandpaper's not fresh or check out this article on moisture content. Uh, so just a, a neat little app if you ever want to play around with, if you're looking for something to just kind of, you know, figure out. If you really can't decide if your uh, wood is ready to work with yet, nice. um, just a neat little calculator. And the neat thing about it, totally free uh, for both the iPhone and the Android. So uh, take a look at it if it's something you're interested in. No in-app purchases to upgrade your your uh, ability to detect moisture? Anything? I can't see that. In, I was really kind of hoping that it would have almost like you a scanner. Like somehow the, the existing <laughs> camera would like, you know shoot a beam out and yeah, that would actually yeah. read back for you but i think that's in the next upgrade <laughs> uh, yeah. could you imagine a moisture meter built into the new iphone fantastic <laughs> exactly just for woodworkers and, and the other nice thing is in case you've lost your manuals or you don't read them or you don't bring them with you on the job site they actually the most common uh meters that they sell they have the manuals uh available on here oh wait no you actually click it and it takes it to a link on uh on the browser. So, <laughs> so it's basically so a, a giant, it's a giant portal. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> cool. Well, very good. And uh, I guess we should throw a shout out to the wood, wood shop widget as well. Uh, that's always a fantastic resource for anybody on and Android one, and, and iOS as well. And that one definitely does a few more tricks than this one specific one trick yeah. pony. And it doesn't so. send you anywhere. It's all in app. It does all the calculations. there. definitely one of the, one of the best woodworking, if not the best woodworking app available out there um, you know what's really kind of funny is the fact that i, I opened up the woodshop widget was, and was I that the, the peanut gallery in the background yeah that she, of course she's been working on the new wood whisperer app all day so <laughs> she's gonna take that uh, a little bit personal not content related just just to be more specific well you know what's really kind of funny is uh speaking of african blackwood as soon as i opened up the woodshop widget apparently it must listen to what you're talking about in the background because the first thing that it popped up under movement african blackwood <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. Very cool. 
All right. So hey, let's, uh, since, since we're since Nicole piped in, yeah. I think since you're not able to get your client to show up on camera, you should go to like Vintage Wood Whisper and bring Nicole in, like have her put on like a mustache or something, and, and she could be the dramatization. <laughs> it's like go. when you went to the lumber yard and Nicole was the the ambivalent lumber yard worker. Right. Right. Yeah. Still one of my favorite Wood Whisper episodes. This is my favorite client. His name is Ed. Yeah, I could see her doing that. She could pull that off. Totally. Yeah, just just make sure that. you have a little thing underneath there saying reenactor in <laughs> case there's any question. Yeah, just for legal reasons. Uh, all right, moving on to the poll of the week. Uh, let's Before we actually do the poll, Matt, who's your poll of the week? Uh, that would be the Sokols. Uh, the Sokols make fine sausages and also are known for their fine Polish beer. Uh, visit the Sokols near a Polish festival near you. All right. Very nice. Now, the woodworking poll of the week is a question by our buddy Tom Ivino at tomsworkbench.com. He asked the question, basically, how do you learn woodworking? Now, this one we got a lot of flack for because you weren't able to select more than one. And clearly, people do use more than one of these resources. So I tried to get people to say, what do you get, what do you get the most information from? Uh, and just to give you an idea of some of the results here, 29.9, almost 30% said that online blogs, and I recommended that people include podcasts in this as well. So about 30% of the votes were from online blogs. That was the most, which is pretty cool. Wow. Um, yeah, coming in, uh, coming in second at 17.4% is my own trial and error experience, which is pretty cool. That's kind of neat to think yeah, about. People awesome. are just going out there and doing it and, <laughs> and comparing the results and hopefully getting better as they go. Um, I bet you before the internet, that was the most widely chosen one. I'm guessing it is, just to judge by the statistics here. Uh, magazines come in next at 12.67% and just under that at 87 is other woodworkers. Now that's very interesting. Obviously that's something that in the last, you know, 30, 40 years has changed dramatically is that people aren't actually learning directly from other people, you know, uh, like woodworking schools was on here and that's only five, 5.1%. Um, so it really is people really are just going to online resources for the most part and then magazines next and then books and, uh, at the bottom, other people, directly <laughs> from other people. And TV, course, here, keep in mind that in order to participate in the poll, you have to already be like reading a blog shut on the internet. Up, Shannon. <laughs> shut so up. Are you saying he there's a slight skew to this? Skewed. <laughs> yeah, so what? Who cares? Uh, You're only allowed to vote if you make a purchase. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's, you just ruined the whole thing for me. Nice job. Uh, yeah. Shannon Stark. Now it's useless. Now, forget it. Forget the poll of the week. It's ruined. It's ruined. I don't even want to talk about it. Let's just move on to voicemails because voicemails are fun and there's nothing Shannon can do to ruin these. Oh, just wait. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, maybe his answers. You never know. Uh, yeah, so the first uh, first email here is from Michael. He's got a question about shop music. Pretty cool. Hey, guys, this is Michael Bond. I'm from Sherwood, Oregon, and I've got a two-part question. One, curious what you guys do for music in your shop. Uh, I'm using a 20-year-old boombox in my shop, and it's a sad situation. Um, I also plug my phone into a $19 uh, MP3 player, so that's the best I've got, but I'd love to hear what you guys are doing. Secondly, I don't know about you all, but I am definitely shy on new music, so uh, I'd love to hear what your uh, favorite shop tunes are these days. Um, I was turned on to the Biscuit Burners by Shannon, and that was a huge hit with me. Uh, if I could leave one tip, it would be the Lumineers. Check that out, but I'd love to know what you guys have. All right, thanks a lot. Bye. Oh, sweet. Well, you know, 
recently with my shop upgrade, I actually put in a real stereo and I have stereo speakers at either end. Mm. And what I usually listen to are actually podcasts. I, I really enjoy the conversation. Sometimes I participate in it, even though I don't get a really good response, which is normal for most of the conversations I'm in anyways. <laughs> uh, but that's actually what I listen to the most. Recently, though, I will say that... Um, uh, with the release of the new One Direction album yesterday, I have a feeling I'm going to be listening to that quite a bit. But that mainly has to do with the fact that my daughter turns it up really loud and I have Sweet. no choice but to listen to it through the house. Originally, my my first uh, radio that I had in the shop wasn't probably much different than the boombox that uh, uh, Mr. Bond has there. Which reminds me, uh, I wonder, Michael, when, when you when you introduce yourself, do you go Bond? Bon. Michael Bond. <laughs> I bet he does. Just, just Why for not? the fun of it. I mean, yeah, I, wouldn't you? I would. Heck yeah, I would. <laughs> uh, but to me, music is probably one of the most important things to keep my sanity when I'm in the shop or some sort of background noise. Yeah. Uh, because it just, I mean, between the humming of the fluorescent lights and then uh, the, the ringing in my ears when I don't have my hearing protection on the right way, it's, it, it's essential. Uh, I don't like he- uh, heavy metal, though. I'm going to say that I kind of really? don't do that in the shop. Yeah, it just it's too unnerving. <laughs> yeah, it gets you all angry and angsty. <laughs> and it's loud. <laughs> I do enjoy the metal myself. Uh, you know, I actually am a it's lot like you. good for chopping mortises, Matt. There you go. Get your anger out on the wood. Um, you use a mallet or your head. Nice. I pay to see that. Uh, Matt, I actually am a lot like you. I listen to podcasts most of the time. But when I do want to go to music, I am a huge fan uh, still these days of Pandora. I just like to make a little playlist and, and just let it ride and, and everything. It's just really good at this point. It's so accurate in giving you things that are similar themed music that, that if you like this, you'll like these other things. So Pandora is absolutely fantastic just for, for music. I don't really even listen to anything yeah. in my iTunes library anymore. Yes. It's a yes, good pick. Pandora. I always forget about Pandora. Love I'm, it. And I even have the app that does it. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It's good. Well, uh, I'll I'll throw another um, another recommendation. Well, first of all, I have one of those like under cabinet mounted um, uh, iHome. I think is the brand. Uh, you find them all over the place. It's supposed to like mount under a kitchen cabinet, and it's got a an iPod dock or MP3 player dock or whatever. The little drawer slides out. You throw the iPod in. It also is a has a radio tuner built into it. Um, and I usually just you know I've got one of those eighty gig iPod. I think they call it a classic now. <laughs> Love <laughs> yes. it. Um, and I, I can't fit my entire iTunes library on there, but there's a lot on there. And I usually just hit shuffle and go to work. Um, occasionally, I do get the podcast urge, so I go that direction. But I also have a TV in my shop. And oh, lately, nice. I've been putting on season one of the Woodwright shop. I mean, I've got the thing practically memorized now. It's been on in the background so many times. <laughs> so, But when, when it's music, it's really hard for me to make recommendations. I'm a firm believer that anybody who has majored in music should love all music. Um, there's just there's too much out there. But I, I will throw out a recommendation because you like the biscuit burners. I've become a big fan of Mumford & Sons recently, ever since they were yes. on Saturday Night Live. Um, oh, yeah. And I have now proceeded to buy all of their albums and I listen to them a lot. So nice. good one. I kind of expected Shannon to say that he listens to, uh, I don't know, like cla- classical music on his yeah. phonograph. I found <laughs> that Mozart's Seventh Symphony is so much better than. <laughs> it makes my, my tenons more square. 
it's not real good for woodworking. I've discovered <laughs> it just lulls um, you to sleep. <laughs> well, I mean that that's the danger of shuffle and my like incredibly wide music library because I'll be listening to like Green Day one moment and then it's like Mozart the next minute. You're like ah, culture shock, you know, and yeah, just, like, yeah. it, it jars the personality a little bit. Although the biggest issue I have now is um. I know that I could go and create a playlist on iTunes to filter out the Christmas music, but essentially it's like a playlist of all my music minus Christmas music. And I just haven't done that. So when you hit shuffle, inevitably Christmas music comes up (laughs) at some point or another, right? (laughs) Although we're getting close enough now that I suppose I can just let it play, but still, you know, it'd be in the middle of July and I saw three ships. Some come sailing in. You're like, what? (laughs) That's always, that's, that's like sacrilege. You can't listen to Christmas music at a season. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it has to wait till after Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, folks. It has to wait. Shut up, Matt. I got decorations. You know what? The, the other thing I'll say, just because he's a fellow woodworker, Tom Fidgen of the Unplugged Workshop, the guy up in Canada. Yeah, he's got an album out. It's really good. Oh, too. really? Yeah. You know, um, I'll recommend got- one thing that I really enjoy listening to. I don't know why is like Irish punk music. So things like Dropkick nice. Murphys uh, gets me in the mood to do woodworking. I don't know why, so, but it, it works great. So let's uh, let's pound through these because my my son just got home, and that means it's going to start to get a little noisy. Um, go to the second voicemail here. We got another one from Steve who's asking about bandsaw tune-up. Hi, Shannon, Matt, and Mark. This is Steve from Spring, Texas. Got a question about a bandsaw. Um, Do you have any videos or tutorials on the Internet that could help me to tune up my bandsaw? I'm trying to get the smoothest cut possible, whether it's blade selection or just in making adjustments. Uh, I would appreciate some input. I currently am using an 18-inch Rikon bandsaw. Thanks, guys. Great show. Bye. Excellent question. Tuning up the bandsaw is probably, I'd say with the jointer, one of the most annoying tools to, to have to tune up. But the good thing is, once you get the hang of it, 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 it kind of becomes easier every time you do it. Uh, unlike the jointer, which is just a pain in the butt every time you do it. Uh, I do have a couple of recommendations for you. Number one is a little self-serving. I have a, a bandsaw setup tune-up video at the Wood Whisperer. It's at, uh, well, I'll put the link in the show notes. I don't want to read all the links here. Uh, so that's one that you could take a look at. And then two that I really, really recommend are Michael Fortune videos that are on fine woodworking. They have one that is basically a how to resaw your own veneer, which is going to sort of cover all the same topics. If you could resaw veneer on your bandsaw, it's tuned up, bottom line. Yeah. Uh, yes. the, the other one is a specific tune-up video that shows the primary things that he does to avoid drift and how to set up the blade, what blade to use, how to get the uh, the guides in place properly. And really, uh, Michael Fortune, if you he, the guy knows his stuff. So if you can tune up a saw the way Michael Fortune does, you're going to be happy with the results. So definitely check those out. And I wanted to throw it to Shannon here too because I recall recently on uh, Twitter or Facebook I saw that you had some really good success resawing a board with your bandsaw and you were really happy about it. So what 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 guide did you use to do it or were you just working off a of memory? Um really just working off a of memory. Okay. I mean the the biggest catalyst for me doing this is I knew that I needed a new blade. Mm-hmm. Um it was obviously dull and I got a new um wood slicer from Highland Woodworking and uh you know, I the the big thing certainly. I, I've read a lot of what Michael Fortune talks about, and uh, and I've skimmed a lot of what Michael Fortune talks about because there's a lot out there. And he's always talking about how um, 
you know, you don't need a super high powered bandsaw in order to get it to work right. right and right. I've often complained that my bandsaw is very underpowered. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, uh, <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> if he says I don't need a super powered bandsaw, I think, I think it's a three quarter horse. In fact, um, it's like the first time that I have the Grizzly GO555, I think, that they call the ultimate 14-inch bandsaw. But I bought it early enough that they still had a three-quarter horse. I think it comes with a one horsepower now, which ought to tell you a little bit about what Grizzly thought it was underpowered. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of it is you, you've got to make sure that your blade is riding in the center of your wheels. Um, if the blade is off to one side or another, it's going to cause massive amount of drift no matter what you do. Um, it's just gonna, cause it essentially it angles the teeth in or out because the, the wheel itself is, um, convex. So it's going to change that and cause more or less drift. Um, the biggest thing I found is just a good blade. You know, yeah. a, if you're resawing, it's gotta be, have gotta have big gullets. Um, it's gotta be able to move that sawdust really, really fast. Um, setting the guides uh, is kind of a big deal. And if you have crappy guides on your bandsaw, I highly recommend going and buying Carter guides from Carter Products. Um, don't ask me how much they cost because I bought them like five years ago and I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> they're, they, they're, they've gone up. They've yeah, had to have cheap. gone up due to inflation because it was so long ago. Yeah. Um, but they have instructions there on exactly how to set them. Basically, the side wheels go right where the gullet ends. Um, so the teeth are just ahead of the side wheels and the rear wheel is basically just kissing the the back of the blade so as the blade turns that little roller the ball bearing wheel behind the blade should actually be spinning a little bit um there are lots of things about you know you should be able to put like a piece of paper in between them or something like that but ultimately it all comes down to feed rate i think Mm-hmm. I think when people have trouble sawing veneer, they get that barrels because they're pushing too fast. Right. And in that instance, I think I agree with Michael Fortune. When you have an underpowered saw, the saw will bog down. So you have to go slow. So I just listen. The minute the tool starts to slow, I back off. And it comes out great. Cool. That's good. Especially for people with that, the 14-inch bandsaws. A lot of times they are one horse or less. So it's good to know yeah. that you know you get the right blade, get the right setup. You can actually uh, successfully resaw. Moving into our email, we're going to breeze through these real quick. Uh, Matt, you want to take the first one? Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be coming from our good friend, Kenny, the wood ninja. He says, I have a question for all three of you. Because of the varying degree of your woodworking styles, I'd like to know if you had to start over today with your current knowledge, what would be the first three planes purchased, uh, purchases be? Thanks in advance for your help and thanks for going weekly. Keep up the great job. All right. So, if I were to get my uh, start all over again, which really kind of scares me, but uh, if I were to start all over again, what I would start with is number one, a block plane. I love my block plane, use my block plane constantly. And even if I had to go all power tool, I would still have just a block plane. So block plane is number one, preferably low angle block plane more than mm-hmm. anything else. And not even one of those fancy side rabbit ones either. Um, the other one that I would end up going with uh, right off the out, out of the gate is going to be a number five jack plane. And that's because you can swap the blades out of those. You can use 
the same blade if you really wanted to, but you can use it for jointing, you can use it for heavy work, and you can even set it up as a smoother. It really is an all-around. So uh, block plane, uh, number five uh, jack plane, and then my third one would have to be a smoother just because, well, it's a smooth operator, and I like that. <laughs> smooth. <laughs> Goes down smooth. Yeah, uh, so that, that's where I would go. And then another uh, real quick one onto the side is low angle or standard on in all three of those. If I had to, I would end up going just uh, low angle. And if that's the case, I'd probably just go with like a block plane and the jack plane uh, low angle. And I probably might even just skip the smoother and call it good with just those two. Nice. All right, Shannon, you're, uh, I know it's going to be difficult, but make the, <laughs> an abbreviated answer. <laughs> this is one I know you could go off on for a while. Wow. Well, I was a, I was a smart ass on Facebook and said I'd start with a saw and some chisels. Sure. My first couple. But um, I agree with Matt. I'd go with a, a low angle jack plane um, and, you know, just be prepared to maybe swap blades out because you can pretty much do anything with one of those. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, I would go with a router plane. Absolutely. Probably the most used joinery plane in my kit. I can you could do just about any joinery with that. Um, and then keeping with that theme, I would probably get like one of those old school wooden skewed rabbit planes. Um, it, it's crazy because I have a fenced rabbit plane and everything. But ever since I started sticking moldings by hand, you can basically start one of those planes in a gauge line. Just turn it on its corner, and it rides right in the gauge line. Hmm. Um, the fact that it's skewed means it works really well across the grain. It's just so fast for everything from, from cross grain rabbits to with the grain rabbits to grooves that you can just do so much with it. It's a, it's a wooden version of the block plane. Sweet. Okay. I'm actually going to pick two. I'm going to, I'm going to actually, uh, go a little bit light here because for me, by the time I pick the third one, I I'm sort of veering off in a whole new area that I don't, that I feel is like a next level concern. So yeah. I would actually say two things. I would pick a rabbiting block plane because it's going to work like a block plane, but also do some joinery tasks for you. And it costs, if you're looking at like the Lee Nielsen ones, it's like 10 bucks more. So if you're mm-hmm. only getting one, get that one and it's going to do double duty for you. Uh, duty. Duty. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the other one is like Shannon said, can't, can't disagree or I should say can't agree more. You know, the router plane is just fantastic. And for the type of, again, these are all tainted by the type of woodworking we like to do. Uh, So for me, the router plane works in perfectly. Now, beyond that, you're looking at like smoothers and stuff like that. I just don't consider those essential for the type of woodworking I do. So I I didn't even want to make a recommendation on a third. Um, Interestingly enough, there is a thread in the forum going on right now about what would you get if you were to start over. And it does include power tools as well. In fact, I think it's mostly focused on power tools. So it kind of balances things out a little bit there. If you want to read about that, we'll put that link in the show notes for you. Um, Moving on to the next email. This one is from David Young. Uh, He says, I'd be interested in hearing your opinions on the approaches and merits to constructing laminated tops for kitchen counters and island tops. For instance, is there a preferred grain for the primary surface of the countertop, flat sawn versus quarter sawn, when laminating, assuming that you will never be using knives directly against the surface? Can the top be thinner, thicker than the traditional one and a half inches uh, thick that you find on standard countertops? What advantages, disadvantages would these bring, David? This is uh, this is one that I have a little bit of trouble answering because I'm certainly no kitchen countertop expert, you know. So a lot of the things that I know come from the the world of just general furniture. So there may be some rule of thumb type things that people refer to when you're installing countertops that I don't know about. But if I were installing a countertop that was a non-cut surface, I would probably want something fairly thick, at least an inch and a half. I think that's a good starting point. 
And I would probably try to go with Rift or Quartersawn if I could, just for the sake of stability. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a nice consistent look is nice too, but really stability is going to be the concern because you don't want that countertop. You think about a big butcher block top like that, it's it's going to move a lot over the, the course of the seasons and, and moisture contact. So I would really limit that to quarter sawn or rift sawn wood to limit the movement. Beyond that, it's a little outside of my wheelhouse to, to give a really good solid recommendation on, on some of those things. But you guys have any thoughts on this? Well, just the fact that I, I agree with you completely. Just the fact that you're laminating this together. So a rift or even quarter sawn is going to present a straight kind of vertical grain and it's just going to blend better. Right. You know, your glue lines are going to disappear more readily than going with a flat sawn surface or you're going to work a hell of a lot more to, to make it look like a single piece. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on to the next one. Shannon, you want to take it? Showa. Uh, this is from Jamie and he writes, should a beginning hand tool sharpener step up and buy a good quality sharpening system right away? Or is there even a price difference or learning curve with sharpening stones? It appears Shapton has good reviews. Which one, though? Ceramic or on glass or traditional stones? Or is it all personal preference and I just need to find one that will work well for me? Hugs and kisses, Jamie. Mm. Um, yeah, sharpening. This is like a can of worms. Um, the easy answer is yes, I think it's personal preference and you need to find one that will work for you. Um, that being said, how do I find one that works for me? The biggest thing you hear a lot of the sharpening Illuminati guru say is find one and stick with it for mm -hmm. a while. You know, don't say, oh, I don't like that and move on to the next one. You have to really stick with it before you determine I don't like that. Um, personally, you know, when it comes to just the long haul, I think – um, stones of some sort, water or oil, is the better bet. I mean, the 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 scary sharp thing just gets too expensive. Sandpaper is not cheap, um, and I just think it's a little bit more high maintenance because um, mm. you you're constantly if it's glued down, you got to pull it up, and you've got to have a perfectly flat surface and all that stuff. Um, I just think stones is I, I don't know. It just seems like most people end up on stones after a while yeah. so if you're talking about the kind of the old buy your last tool first thing start and buy stones um as far as the difference between shapton uh, i have glass stones it's the same stuff that's in the regular stones yeah, it's just yeah. thinner and on glass and you know i wish that i had measured how thick it was when i bought them like four years ago but i can't tell any difference <laughs> it's gonna last a long time i mean that's i know I, I that's mean, a career I've been using length the thing. thousand and eight thousand grit glass stones for god when didn't lee nielsen start carrying them you know it's yeah. probably three or four years ago um because i bought them from lee nielsen and they just ha they haven't changed i see no difference whatsoever yeah so you know you just gotta find one that's gonna work for you uh, i hate to be difficult but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, and I've got the regular Shaptons, the non-glass ones. They're they're fantastic too. I don't think you can go wrong with with either one, honestly. Um, yeah. They are going to pretty much last you forever. And I I agree. I think it personally. I think you should go for something good quality because I mean I've got uh, water stones that I bought when I first started woodworking and then I sold and then I went and eventually got decent ones. Um, not a yeah. big fan of the sandpaper systems either, although they will they will allow you to hit the ground running pretty quickly with a small investment. But long term, I'd rather spend more money and have something that doesn't repeatedly cost me money. You right. know, and it's very easy to do. So well, I mean, if you think about it, it's probably the most important tool you can invest in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because right. dull tools don't work and they're frustrating and they're dangerous and all that. So if you're going to spend money, you know, save money and buy, you know, a set of Marple's chisels, but spend the good stuff, the, the, the good money on the sharpening stuff because you're going to need it for the life of that tool time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the, the whole personal thing is absolutely true. I, I, what I'm doing right now is I, I'm using the, the Tormek. I like the Tormek. I, I, I really enjoy using it, but I primarily use it for when I really have to remove a heavy nick or something. But I constantly turn to my water stones. I love my water stones. And the key to it is, at least in my opinion, is that you have to remember that every time you use it, you have to come back in and flatten the face. I, when I first started, I fell into that uh, kind of uh, the mistake of not even thinking about it. Like, oh, I can get like, you know, X number of sharpenings out of this before I need to worry about, you know, touching the face of it. And as long as you get it in your mindset, you know, like constantly keep this thing flat, they are just amazing what you can do with them. And they're so inexpensive when you really think about it over, you know, X number of years. Cool. Yeah. Nice. And that flattening process, you're talking like five seconds. Yeah. Exactly. Every sharpening session. It's, you know. Yeah. It's and if you have deal. two stones, you have one that's nice and flat, just use that to get the other one going and check out the ruler. And you're like, yeah, there I am. Let's go. I got the uh, big DMT plate, which is Ooh. like, it's like my lowest grit. So if I've got a chisel that's really in bad shape, I'll start with that. But I also use that as sort of my lapping plate to flatten everything else. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be a pretty decent system. Um, all right, Matt, you want to get Eric's question? Sure. Okay, so let's see here. Uh, hi, guys. I was wondering if you guys could briefly discuss tips on how to break up work segments when you have limited amounts of time for shop sessions on more complex projects. Do you set specific objectives and strive to complete a certain process for that day so as to start a new task the next time? Or do you just go as far as you can with the time that you have and pick up where you left off in the next session? And that's from Eric. And, you know, this is really good because this is something that I'm, again, kind of dealing with with right now with with some of my projects and I am of the mindset now and I've learned this the hard way uh Rather than trying to accomplish everything at once, I do set goals for myself every time I set into the shop. My goal is to uh, get the – the first thing I'm going to try and do is get my stock milled at least like rough dimensions. So I'm going to try and, and cut it to the basic sizes that I need with a little extra on there. As soon as I have that done, I'm going to then try and joint it, thickness plane it. If I get that done, and most of the time I can get that done in a matter of a couple of hours with the majority of the projects I'm working on, at that point, if I have extra time, that's kind of like gravy on top of everything, and I love gravy. Mm. Uh, But more or less, I, I tell myself, all right, this is my main goal for the day. And if I have to set it aside, I know that, okay, this is Sunday. I can't come back into the shop again till next Saturday. Then I'm going to try and figure out how can I set these components that I just did all this milling on to so that there's not going to be any major issues with, with movement, with the moisture being released, all that kind of a things. But at the heart of it, I really do kind of try to accomplish uh, segments, as Eric mentioned. I try to get smaller tasks grouped together and say, I'm going to nibble this little bit off here. I'm going to nibble this little bit off here. And I've actually found that when I do this, even though it feels like I'm just getting not as much accomplished in the end, I actually get more accomplished in less time. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think the the way I see it as a sort of, and I think a lot of us are like this goal-oriented people, if you are looking at the end of the project as your primary goal from the beginning, it just always seems so far away. But yeah. if, if you compartmentalize things and you look at each part of the process as many goals as you get there, it makes it much easier, especially if you have a limited amount of time in the shop and you could see 
all right, this, you know, you could think about how many, how many door frames I need to make. Oh, this might take me, this might take me three or four hours. So I could do this, uh, in one shop sitting, but if I have something that's going to take six or seven hours, I could figure out another way to organize it. And my, my expectations for how my time is spent in the shop are set ahead of time. So I don't feel disappointed if I don't get a certain amount of stuff done. Uh, yep. So totally goal Not to mention it prevents you from screwing stuff up. Yeah. You know that thing that you can't do once you've already assembled it? <laughs> right, right. And you realize that after you've glued it up, you're like, son of a well, it, it, get it, in it, there and cut that. With a smaller shop also, oftentimes I'm pulling tools out that normally I'm going to have up against the wall or kind of tucked away. So if I, again, kind of yeah. compartmentalize it and set these things up and say, all right, I am going to work on just the thickness planer. I know then I can put the thickness planer in the middle of the room. And even though it's taking up a lot of the room, I'm getting it out of the way and I don't have to come back to it. Or again, I can set up my router for whatever it is I'm going to do and say, all right, I'm going to, even though these components don't aren't anywhere near each other in the project. If I work on them now because I have the tool out, I can get this taken care of. And surprisingly, knock on wood or whatever's around me, I've discovered that I've, I, I start making less mistakes. Mm-hmm. Now everything's going to fall to hell that I said that. <laughs> but um, I, I've actually found that by doing that, because I've taken these small chunks, I do uh, have less mistakes and I get a lot more done. And I just, there's a part in that's almost like, is this because I'm more experienced or what's going on? Because I never remember these projects going this fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, and don't be afraid to to break things up into really small goals too. Like the, no right. goal is too small because every time you check something off a list, that's really gratifying. So if, yeah. you, if you have it broken down and you can, even if you're only there for 10 minutes, but you got to take something off of that list, it feels really good to do that. Actually, the fact that if you do write a list, I do this at work constantly, and I'm always like, all right, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I know, yeah, you see those check marks. You can physically see a check mark, and you're seeing how much you're progressing on it. And it's insane, Mm -hmm. that sense of gratification. Sure. Well, since Mark did it earlier, I can mention I actually have written a post about this. (laughs) So (laughs) if I'm allowed, I'll add it to the show notes. Yes, you're allowed. Um, if, if, yeah. if MC Mark allows it, I will I will put it in there. But ditto to basically. I'm going to overrule him. Well, the other thing I'll say that's actually really helped us is podcasting. Yeah, you know, because you you have to plan it out. That's true. Know, that's true. Storyboard it, if you will. And you know, there are certain things that I want to make sure that I get done before I leave the shop for the day, or the shot, the clip, the film, whatever looks bad. Right. Right. that and the fact that I've changed shirts like six times in that 15 minutes. <laughs> no, no continuity at all. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've given up on that. Yep. All right. So just a couple of iTunes reviews. Remember if you're an iTunes user, you can go into the iTunes store, look up wood talk and leave us a really nice review or a really crappy review. We just won't read that one, uh, <laughs> but we have three of them today. We will read these real quick. Uh, we have one here from I'm the nuts. She just got to love that name. Uh, Mark, Matt, and Shannon are the future of woodworking, their ability to be respected by the old timers, as well as bring, who says? I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> what? Where? <laughs> Since when? Uh, as bring, as well as bringing some much needed energy into the woodworking, or into woodworking, is why Marky Spags is becoming a well-known name in the community. Maybe not for the best reasons, but uh, thank you. Uh, he says the, po- the podcast simply kills it. Nice. All right. Our next one is from Listened Once, which I hope is not actually what they did after they listened to the show. <laughs> uh, but it says, really tremendous show, guys. You compliment each other well on knowledge and opinions and the humor part, too. Just three guys talking about their wood. Snicker. <laughs> wood. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, the show never runs long. I couldn't be happier about the weekly schedule. Thanks and keep it coming. P.S. I'd give a bonus star if I could. Nice. Wow. Six, six stars from him. That's right great. On. And that's only after well, listening once. 
Amazing. <laughs> well, let's see. BM Chan says, my two go-to podcasts are this and the FWW show. Yay, fine woodworking. Good for you guys. I find that this podcast gets me off the couch and back into my shop. These are three guys that would normally be competing against one another. What? 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 Competing against each other, but come together to generate greater interest in woodworking. As I drive and listen, I find myself scrambling to take notes, but the podcast website does a nice job of recapping the links and references made in each show. Mark is fast becoming the Norm Abrams of the internet media, and he executes very nicely. How did I get so lucky today with, with these? It's almost like I'm cherry picking these. Yeah, it's yeah, almost like you're seriously. you're writing these yourself. I'm really not hmm. though. There was one that we missed last week that said that that uh, Shannon is like the old man of the group or something. <laughs> I love that comment. That, <laughs> that was I, awesome. I, I wish we could have read that. Uh, but you know, I'm not. I'm definitely not cherry picking. These are in order, and we just skipped a whole crap load. <laughs> oh, that was from last awesome. Well, I, I, I want to say man who gets there, but he's winded. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I want to say you know the whole thing about who would normally be competing uh, competing against each other. I don't compete against anybody. I actually am just too far passive aggressive for such out right things so i thought he was gonna say i'm just too far past you guys to even consider you competition <laughs> Sorry, so well, far i beyond. didn't want to say it but since you pointed it out i'm so far Mr. beyond 500 shows you guys suck well we're all beginners to matt he's been doing this longer than everybody no i just put something on goes hi i'm matt today's an episode that's good <laughs> enjoy have a good Daily day matt <laughs> All right. Well, hey, just a quick reminder. Today's show is supported by Microjig, creators of the Gripper 3D Push Block. Visit microjig.com and take a moment to sign up for that newsletter at microjig.com slash newsletter. Uh, Matt, you want to take us out with the contact info? Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm signing up for the newsletter right now. It's going to take me a second here. All right. All <laughs> okay. right. So if you want to leave us a voicemail, don't forget you can do that on Skype. You can use our user. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Uh, you can call our voicemail at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com like some of the great folks today. And don't forget you can leave a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page where we will actually take your question and put it on here the show if necessary. If you're looking for anything that we've talked about in today's show or any of the previous episodes or you want to download today's episode because you just didn't get enough of it, head on over to woodtalkshow.com and you will find everything there. All right, and next week we will probably have a somewhat abbreviated show with just Shannon and I, maybe a sound clip or two from Matt because he's going to be on the road. It is the uh, day before uh, Thanksgiving, so we're we're still committed to putting the show out because it did not fall directly on a holiday. So yep. <laughs> we're going to do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm so trying to convince the family to let me Skype in from the road, but apparently they're convinced <laughs> that I'll just be too preoccupied and probably go across the lane that, or something. I don't know. That could be a little bit dangerous. So, yeah, we will see you next week. Same wood time, same wood channel, I guess you could say. Uh, so thanks, everybody, wow. for listening. Thanks. Was that Alex? That was Alex. Hi, Alex. I love, our fourth I, love co-host. When, I love when Alex uh, <laughs> pipes up and says hi. That's so nice. Let me just say congratulations to us all for actually making it through a show notes in one episode. <laughs> we just packed too much in there every time. Uh, we went a little fast toward the end, but we, we were determined to squeeze it all in. Yeah, because people send in some great questions, and we absolutely want to get to those. Yeah, so. yeah. And hey, Facebook, right? There's a lot of questions coming in on there. Continue to do that. We're, we're reading that. And we're incorporating that into the show. Of course, the forum or any of the email stuff that, that Matt gave you, all the information, all that contact <laughs> info. Uh, voicemails are always great, too. We, we love the feedback, and we it just helps us make the show, which is fantastic. So Yeah, we have That's to work right. less. Word up. So, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will uh, we'll catch you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. 
Audio program so good, it's like you're there.